Thank you, Pastor Mike. We give you praise, Lord. Let's do this. Can you join your hand with somebody next to you? And let's pray for our pastors. One of the greatest things we can do for our leaders is to pray for them. The devil tries to attack them, but we surround them and stand with them. Father, in the name of Jesus, as a church, as a body of believers, we stand our ground. You said in your word that if any two of us shall agree concerning anything on earth, it shall be done by our Father who is in heaven. So, Father God, we stand in agreement and pray for our pastors, Pastor John, Pastor Lanell, Pastor Mike. Pray for Pastor Travis, Pastor Nick, Pastor Zach, Pastor Cole and their families. Lord, we just cover them with the blood of Jesus. We say no weapon of the enemy fashioned against them will prosper. We say there is a hedge of protection around them and their families. We say it is well with them. It is well with their mind. It is well with their bodies. It is well with their finances. It is well with their ministry. Lord, we say your work will continue to prosper in their hands and they will find joy and fulfillment in that which you've committed into their hands. Lord, as we go in your word, we pray that you just open our eyes, open our hearts, Give us understanding of what you are saying to us, each of us. Speak to us as individuals. Lord, cause us to get out of this place just ready to be who you've called us to be. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's give it all for Jesus. Amen. I just want to thank God for what God is doing here. At Church on the Rock. And I'm just so blessed, so glad to be a part of what God is doing here. I want to celebrate Pastor John for always seeking and looking for every single person here, really. Looking for how to help you fulfill your ministry. You know, he has that, that large heart. And I just want to celebrate him and um, Pastor Mike and all the pastors. How many of us here have ever prayed that God should use you? Or maybe you even thought about it. Maybe you just never prayed it. Yeah, that, that's most of us. So that's good. I'm in the right church. And I, I pray that prayer. I mean, I've prayed that prayer all my life. And I still pray it. And I will continue to pray it. Because that's a desire God put in our heart. Life has got to be more than just making money, getting a job, losing a job, starting a business, closing a business. Life has to be more than just about you. If life is only about you right now, uh, there's something missing. And you need to find it. And I pray that in this place you'll find it. So life has to be more than just me, myself, and I. A life that is focused on me, myself, and I is a shallow life. That's not the way God wants us to live. But how many times have we felt like what we have is not enough? The giftings, the talent, the opportunity, the place where God has placed us, it's not where we wanted to be. I mean, you prayed and you thought that by now you will be at so and so level. You'll be in so and so place doing so and so things. But that's not where you are right now. And most of the time, the devil wants to beat you up over it and make you insignificant, make you feel like you don't matter, make you feel that your life is just hopeless, helpless, and useless. But that's not the way God is seeing you right now, regardless of where you are. The Bible says that you, you're the apple of God's eyes. So if you're here feeling that your contribution to your generation is small, 
that what you have doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And you are tempted and maybe you've even yielded to just, just sit down, relax. You don't care about anybody since nobody cares about you. Or maybe you are in church today and you just feel like you're just a head count. You matter. And God values you. And God is speaking to us today about making the most of where you are. Uh, they're going to display something on the screen right now. We're all going to read it together. I first came across this several years back. It's an excerpt from a book called Inside the Magic Kingdom. You're going to like it. It blessed me. It's going to bless you. Everybody read. It's in English. It's not in tongues. Okay, one, two, three, let's go. Sometimes I get to thinking that what I do doesn't matter. But when I start thinking that way, I remember my old typewriter. Most of the keys worked fine most of the time. But one day, one of the keys stopped working altogether. Only one. And that really messed everything up. So when I'm tempted to say, I'm only one person, it won't matter much if I don't do this quite right. I remember my old typewriter and I say to myself, I am a key person and needed very much. Please help me preach to your neighbor. Tell them you are a key person. I didn't say tell them you are a key, okay? You are a key person and you are needed very much. And that's the truth of the word of God. Now, this is a motivational piece that Disney uses to motivate their employees. But the principle behind this is from the word of God. When God looks at you and I, he sees a key person in his plan, in what he wants to do in the life of somebody. Jesus has come already. When he comes back, he's not coming to minister to anybody when he comes back. He's coming to take us home. But until that happens, he's counting on you and I. You are going to be the key to the life of somebody next to you. You're going to be the one that puts the smile on the face of that cashier that attends to you at Walmart. You're going to be the one that makes a difference in the life of that young man, young woman, that child that God has given to you. Or are you going to belittle what God has placed in your hand and where God has placed you and become inefficient, ineffective, and sometimes even lethargic? concerning what God is expecting you to do? Are you going to use your gifts and your talents and make our world a better place? Or are you just going to sit down and look at what you have and wish you had more than you have? Let's look in the word of God uh, this morning and see what God has to say concerning you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I start reading from verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the parts that make... Uh, but the parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, will that make it any less part of the body? If the old body were an eye, how would you hear? If the old body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18. But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. 
God has put each part just where he wants it. And God is a good God. I mean, we, we have two boys. My wife and I have two boys. And we love them dearly. Now, I'm not going to put them where they don't belong. So God did not put you as a member of the body of Christ. God did not put you where you don't belong. That may be hard for some people. Perhaps maybe because where you are right now is difficult, is tough, is tight. Things are not the way you want them to be. You're where, the place where you are right now is not a place you prayed for. As a matter of fact, it's a place you prayed you never went. But that's where you are right now. Maybe it's because of some bad decisions that you made, or maybe it's just life happened. And you, the tendency is for us to sit down in that place and just, you know, stay wishing that things were different and hoping that things were different. And God is able to make things better for you. But God is looking for you to make the most of where you are right there. Because God put each part where he wants it. And I, I was cracking this joke that I'm just so glad, and I'm sure you are too, that when God made your body, he did not put your nose next to your butt. I mean, that's just unthinkable. So the same way in the body of Christ, God put you where he wants you to be. Where you are right now is the place where you can be most effective right now. So quit looking at where you want to be. But rather, where you are. And see what God wants to do in you and through you. Because God puts each part just where he wants it. Joseph was a man that had a lot of dreams in the Bible. He dreamed that he was going to be a ruler. He was going to be a leader. But where did he find himself? Sold as a slave was put in the pit, you know, was serving in Potiphar's house. He did everything right, and he found himself in the prison. The palace was where he was going, but he found himself in the prison. One of the things I love about Joseph, he's one of my role models. When I get to heaven, I'll, you know, give him a high five. Because everywhere Joseph was, regardless of what was going on, Joseph made the most of where he was. When he was in the Potiphar's house, he was the best slave. Even when he was in prison, he was the best prisoner. I mean, I don't know about being the best prisoner. But he was making the most of the opportunity, ministering to people, changing lives. And you know what? That was the key that God used to get him to the palace where he actually belonged. And how many of us have stopped ourselves from getting to the next level because we fail to appreciate where we are, because we fail to minister, because we fail to do what God has placed in our hands to do where we are right now. Where you are may look insignificant to you, but it doesn't look insignificant to God because you have what it takes to make a difference in the life of somebody. Sometimes I just think about what would it be like if you were the one that led Billy Graham to Christ? I mean, just one person. I mean, I don't need to lead 20 people to Christ. I just need to lead that one person to Christ, right? Because through Billy Graham, millions of people have come to know Jesus Christ. So you never know what God can do with your act of obedience in ministering to a child, speaking to a neighbor, blessing someone at church, using the word that God has put in your mouth to encourage somebody, to lift somebody up, praying for somebody, telling somebody about Christ. You never know what God can do with those things. So you don't allow yourself to get to a place where you become ineffective because you are not where you want to be. 
in um, second Cor- in the first Corinthians that we read in verse 22. I-, I love this part. It says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So if you've ever felt that you're not important, the scripture is telling you, you are necessary. And I'm not just saying that to make you feel good. That's what the word says. You are necessary. You know, there's so many parts of our bodies that, you know, are visible. I mean, people look at your nose, you know, your biceps, your legs, your hair and everything. And people give you compliments, you know, about those things. You know, oh, nice biceps. You must have been working out. You know, and it feels good. But, you know, there's some parts of our body that nobody ever gives you compliments about. I mean, nobody has ever complimented your pancreas. Hey, Joe, I, you just have an awesome pancreas, you know? If someone said, I just run because they're about to take out your pancreas. Your pancreas never gets any compliment. But if it stops working for a second, you'll be in big trouble. Nobody ever appreciates your pancreas. But if your pancreas doesn't work, insulin is going to be out of the picture and life is going to be miserable. The same way with many of us. You may not be noticed. People may not give you a compliment. People may not appreciate what you do. But the Bible says you are necessary. You are necessary in the life of those people that God has placed around you. Your wife is counting on you. Your children are counting on you. Those young men that God has placed in your life, they're counting on you. When you and I don't use our gifting, don't use our talent, don't make the most of where we are, we rob the whole world of the things that God has put in us. And my prayer is, God, I do not want to deprive the world of the giftings that you have placed on the inside of me. So whether I feel good or I don't feel good, God, I want to make the most of where you have placed me. There's a reason why he placed me in Texas, Canada there. There's a reason why he didn't put you in China. You may want to be in Great Britain right now, but here is where you are, and here is where you are most effective and most needed right now. So make the most of it. So there are different things that rob us or that make us uh, ineffective and not making the most of where we are. The number one thing is that we don't see far enough. We're human. We're limited. We only see what's happening here right now. And most of the time, we focus on what's happening, what we have, what we don't have, what we desire, who we need, who we don't need, and things like that. And as much as, you know, God cares about those things, if we focus on what we have and what we don't have, we're not going to be a blessing to people around us. Because most of the time, you're going to see the one thing that you don't have and forget the 20,000 things that you have. And the one thing that you don't have is going to look like it's more important than everything else that you had. So don't keep your eyes on what you can see, feel, and touch. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God. The next thing is we love to compare ourselves with other people. I mean, you like to look at other people and see, I mean, they're flowing in the prophetic. Every time they hold a the microphone, they just speak. They, you know, God just gives them revelations and you want that. And there's nothing bad about that. But what are you doing with what God has given to you? What are you doing with what God has given to you? The Bible says uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians, that uh, chapter 10, verse 2, it says, when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we're foolish. We're not wise. I don't know about you. I don't want to be a fool. 
So I'm not going to compare myself with anybody else. As a matter of fact, I love to say I'm the best me that God has ever made. When he made me, he threw away the mold. So if you try to be me, the best you can be is just a duplicate. So quit trying to be somebody else. Be yourself. There is power in being you. You have what it takes to affect the lives that God wants you to affect. The next thing is that sometimes we focus on our ability and not on God's ability. We focus on our ability to make things happen. That's one of the things that hinders us in ministering to people. Somebody is sick and something tells you inside your heart, pray for that person. What if I say they're going to be healed and they don't get healed? So, you're not God. Yours is to be obedient. Take the step of faith. Trust God. Do what God says to do. And let God do what he said he will do. I mean, what if they get healed? Don't focus on your ability. Let's focus on what God can do. That simple invitation card that you got today, you don't know how that's going to change somebody's life. You put it in their hands. Some of them will come. Some of them will not come. But who knows that one person that will get that invitation card and come to church and get saved? Who knows that one child that you're going to pour your life into that's going to be a world changer tomorrow? But what if you didn't do it? So let's not focus on our ability. Let's focus on God's ability. What you bring to the table may be insignificant. But if you have the Holy Spirit in you, what he brings to the table is more than enough. Is more than significant. Is able to transform the lives of people even in more ways than you can think of. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says that it is not that we think we're qualified to do anything. I'm not qualified. It says our qualification comes from God. Isn't that awesome? Let's put our hands together for God on that. God is the one that qualifies us. You're not qualified to encourage somebody. But God qualifies us. So what, what are some things that we need to know so that we can make the most of where we are? The first thing is that you really need to know where you are. How many times have you gone to a mall, some big malls, and you parked your car on, uh, you know, lot J7? And then you started to shop, and before you knew what was going on, you had no clue where you were relative to where your car was. And if you're like me, what I look for is that map that map of the mall and when i look at the map one thing i'm looking for i'm looking for a red dot or a red star and what it says is you are here because if you don't know where you are no matter how much you know where you are going you cannot get there if you don't have a good appreciation for where you are right now how would you get to where you want to go so the first thing that you need to know is where you are so where are you right now in life you're a single mother, you're married, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you live alone, you serve in church. Wherever you are, you are in a you know, miserable place, you're lonely, that's where you are. Don't deny where you are, but rather right where you are, just like Joseph. Number one point, serve faithfully where you are, not where you wish you were. We can sit down and wish we were somewhere else doing great things for God, blessing people. And that, that, that's, that's awesome. Don't lose that dream. But you may never get there if you don't serve faithfully where you are right now. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but you had to do a good job in high school before that dream of going to that college came to be. It's the same way. Serve faithfully where you are. There are many stories that I have here. I'll just uh, give us one example. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, an Israelite girl had been taken as a slave and she was serving under a man called Naaman. Naaman was a great uh, commander of, of the army, but he was leprous. Now, this young Jewish girl had a choice to make. She was a slave. I mean, an Israelite girl being a slave. I mean, that's not a good thing. She didn't pray for that. She didn't deserve that. She's a descendant of Abraham. She did not deserve to be a slave. So, but she can sit down there and say, wow, my slave, what happened to the promises that God made to um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all those things, you know, God must have been lying. No, she didn't do that. She looked at what needs she could meet where she was, even as a slave. She didn't say, God, free me. Let me not be a slave anymore, and I will serve you all of my days. Rather, she said, God, where I am, I will serve you all of my days. And that's what she did. She told Naaman's wife how Naaman could get healed by going to a prophet of God. And Naaman did that. And Naaman got healed. Why? Because a young girl decided that she was going to be relevant where she was. She was going to make the most of where she was. Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 was a man that was serving God. His job as a priest was to prepare the sanctuary for, for worship. He had been doing that for several years. He wanted to have a child. He couldn't have a child. He was too old. His wife was too old. And that's a good opportunity for him to say, you know what? I'm not serving God anymore. I've been there, done that, and nothing has come out of it. But that was not Zechariah. He continued to serve God. In the little things, he continued to serve God. In the big things, he continued to serve God. But one ordinary day, ordinary day, just like today, when he had the opportunity, I don't know, maybe he woke up on the wrong side of the bed and he didn't feel like going to church that day to do what he was expected to do, but he decided to go. I just I made that up. But he was in the process while he was doing the ministry that God has placed in his hand that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him he was going to have a son. And that transformed his life completely. He might have been doing ordinary things, being an ordinary man. No man noticed him. But because he stayed faithful in doing what God had called him to do, he became the father of John the Baptist. And there was nothing ordinary about John the Baptist. Everything was extraordinary about him. But he came out of a man that had to make up his mind to serve God in spite of what he was going through. So serve faithfully where you are, not where you wish to be. My point number two here is give cheerfully where what you have, not what you, what you wish you had. That's good. Give what you have, not what you wish you had. You know, we're, we're going, uh, we're in the face of uh, just getting bids coming for our Imagine More project. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I just see this place transform. I see people coming in and getting saved and the church of God growing. But how many times have you seen that announcement, how much we've raised? And you look at it and you're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. All I have is like $50. I mean, what's that going to do? What's that going to do? Because God is not expecting you to give $10 million if he has not given you $10 million. I mean, I fantasize about it that God should just give me millions of dollars. And I'm just going to tell Pastor John, Pastor, you don't need to take a loan from the bank. Here is $3 million. Add it to whatever we have. Let's build and let's go on. That's awesome, right? But, but that's fantasy. Because God has not given that to me right now. So what am I doing with what God has given to me? 
my faithfully, cheerfully giving it. In John chapter 9, Jesus had thousands to feed. There was no food, really, nothing. But in verse 9, uh, his disciples came to him and said, There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Isn't that how we feel sometimes with what we have? That of what good is my talent? Of what good is my gift compared to these big problems around? It just won't mean much. But that was not this young man. He was bold enough to give those things to the disciples. When they placed it in the hand of Jesus and Jesus blessed it, God multiplied it and used the little that this boy had to feed thousands. Now, this boy has copyright on that right now. I mean, he, he's, he's probably, I don't know anybody else that can boast that God took their, you know, five barley loaves to feed thousands. And my wife and I were talking about this scripture the other day and she said, do you think that maybe there were other people in that place that had five loaves or maybe even more, but they never came up. They never came forward. They never volunteered. They never stepped up to use what they had. Perhaps they rationalized like most of us do. Perhaps they just rationalized themselves out of significance. They rationalized themselves out of relevance. Because they analyze and say, what is this going to do? God cannot use what I have. It's too small. It's too little. But this young man placed it in the hand of God. And God used what he had. I'm sure he would be so joyful to tell that to his children and his grandchildren. But it all came out of obedience. So give what you have and not what you wish you had. If God wanted you to have $10 million right now, you would have it. So whatever you have, serve your family faithfully. Be a blessing to people. Be a blessing to the body of Christ. God is pleased when we do that. God is pleased when we give what we have, not when we stay wishing we had what we don't have. My next point is celebrate what God is doing through you, not what you wish he was. I mean, I wish God was saving the whole world through me right now. I mean, I, I seriously do. I wish all these people that go about just blowing up people, I wish I would just preach to all of them and they would get saved. I, I wish so. But you see, God is not holding me accountable to that because he hasn't played me in that, placed me in that place. But God is going to hold me accountable to where he has placed me. What am I doing with my wife? What am I doing with my children? What am I doing with young, those young boys and girls that God has placed around me? What am I doing with that brother and that sister that I see in church every day and he tells me to be a blessing to them if I don't? So if God uses me to put a smile on somebody's face, praise God, hallelujah. If God uses me to bless somebody with $10, praise God, hallelujah. Because when you celebrate the little things, you put yourself in a position for God to give you and to do great things through you. The Bible says in the book of Luke that if you are faithful in little things, that God is able to commit into your hands big things. As a matter of fact, he said it the other way, that if you are not faithful in little things, who's going to give you big things? Because how you do with the little that you have is a reflection of how you're going to do if you have more. And somebody needs to say how right there. Celebrate what God is doing through you, not what you wish he was. And lastly, pressing for more of God. Pressing for more of God. Pressing to know him more. Philippians chapter 3. The apostle Paul said, I want to know Christ and to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him 
sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to that which lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Maybe it looks like your past is better than your present. Forget about it. Maybe it looks like things used to be better than they, than they are right now. Don't focus on it. But rather, God, where I am right now, how can I be useful in your hands? What are the gifts that you have given me? Maybe you are the one that can cook. Maybe you just like to take care of people. Maybe you are just great with children. Maybe words just flow out of your mouth. You know, like that song we sang, there's a river of life flowing out from me. Maybe every time you speak, people just get encouraged. People just get up and go do what they're supposed to do. That's the gift that God has given you. Use it where you are. If God wants you in a bigger, better place, he's going to take you there. But that's not going to happen when you are unfaithful where you are. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, that we should make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Time waits for no one. You're not getting any younger. I mean, some of us are going to remain young forever. We know that, but, but that's a lie. God wants you to make the most of where you are. Quit focusing on what you don't have or where you are not. Where you are right now, you are the answer to somebody's prayers. I don't want somebody's prayers to go unanswered because I choose to be selfish. Because I choose to focus on me rather than on God and what God can do through me. We all have gifts, but until you unhide your gift by using them, God is not able to unleash your gift to a bigger audience. Whether your audience is one or two, ultimately, the biggest audience is the audience of one, God. If God is pleased with what you're doing, if he's just taking care of that one child, and that's all you can boast of doing, God is pleased, you should be happy. I'd rather God is happy with me than that everybody else is happy with me. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Make the most of every opportunity. As the worship team comes up, we're going to go in the presence of God and pray. Maybe you're here and you desire for God to just unlock the gift that he has placed on the inside of you. And, helps you and help you to reach many more than you've been able to reach. You're in a good place. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. We're going to talk to God. We're going to pray. That desire for more in you is real. God put it there. But we must be faithful where we are right now. So wherever you are, you won't always be there. But I want to make the most of where I am. And I pray that's your desire as well. So I want you to close your eyes and talk to God. What is God saying to you right now? If we were to ask your family, will they... Say that you're making the most of what God has given you as a family.
If we were to ask your wife, what would be the testimony? If we were to ask your husband, what would be your testimony? But that can change today. If you just take a step and say, God, I want to be more for you and with you and in you and through you. I want to forget the past. I want to press on for what lies ahead. And the beginning of significance for many people here today is faithfulness where you are right now. So while you're talking to God, I'd like to address some people here. You're here and you're not born again. You don't know what it means to be born again. You have not accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. You've heard about him, but you've never taken that step. God puts each part where he wants it. There's a reason why God brought you here today, and that's for you to come and give your life to Christ. That's the best decision that any man, woman could ever make. I made the decision several years ago. August 15, 1993, and my life has never remained the same since then. And you can make that decision here today if you've never made it. And when you make that decision, the Bible says angels rejoice in heaven when a soul returns to God. That is the beginning of a life of significance. Anything that we achieve outside of God ends right here on earth. But that relationship with Christ lasts eternity. So if you are here right now, you have not given your heart to the Lord or you have turned your back on him somewhere, we'd like to pray for you. We'd like to pray with you. And you will be saved. And God will give you a new beginning. Is there anyone here like that this afternoon? Just raise up your hand. If you are here and you've not given your heart to the Lord and you want to give your heart to Christ, you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior, we'd like to pray for you. Can I see your hand up if you're there, if you're here in the house today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just all pray this prayer together. And if you are like that and you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, we're saying this with you to encourage you. And say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for me. I'm a sinner, Lord, but I come to confess my sins today. I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come be my Savior. Come be my Lord. I surrender my life to you. I give everything over to you. Take control of all of my life. If you pray that prayer, Jesus has come into your heart right now. And you are a new creature. For everybody else, we'd like to ask the prayer team to come forward. If you are here and there's a prayer need in your life, if this message has ministered to you in one way as a prayer team, come forward. And you'd like someone to just pray with you. Maybe you've been discouraged in the place of serving others. God wants to renew, revive, and energize you today so that you can go forth and be a blessing to many more people. We'd like to pray for you. Maybe you're about to start something new and there's just, you know, a fear in your heart. God wants to give you courage and release grace upon you to be what he has called you to be. Or for whatever need you have, or you are trusting God for, we'd like to pray with you. So don't go, don't leave this place today 
without stepping forward and let somebody pray with you. And we know that the miracle worker, the way maker, the promise keeper is here. He will hear us and he will answer you. And your life will never remain the same again.